So today's daf is Dalid. We pick up in the middle of Gimel Amitbet. We're still in the middle of some of these discussions about things that um, um, a hierarchy of which uh, activities are of greater weight, the Avod and the Beis HaMikdash, Talmud Torah of the individual, Talmud Torah of the Rabbim, and Mikra Megillah, and again fitting into this larger theme about uh, this tremendous weight that's given to the Megillah. So until now we've been dealing with it as a text, almost as a biblical text in terms of Darshan Psukim, sort of completely uh, gliding over the fact that, glossing over the fact that that there's some sense of innovation in it, and there would be an innovation in a change of the look of the letters, but the idea that there's a new uh, holiday and that there's this mitzvah, mitzvah, megillah is seen, you know, in juxtaposition is seen as absolutely no innovation and here we're dealing with the weight of the mitzvah of reading the megillah that it takes precedence over Talmud Torah and over the avodah so now the Gemara continues with that and says the following Amarabah, Pshitali avodah, the line starts with the word avodah it's about 15 lines down from the top of Gimel Bet. It's obviously If it's between the Avod and the Beis Hamikdash and reading the Megillah, reading the Megillah takes precedence. Like like we taught um, yesterday, that was where that was where the discussion started, right? And he learned it from the Mishpachah Mishpacha, even the Mishpachot Kuhunan Liviyah. So it shows you the tremendous weight. And also going back um, to the point that David made yesterday, also the fact that even though this is a, I think an excellent point that this is a Gullus sort of holiday, but and you're back in Eretz Yisrael with the Beis Hamikdash, you know, and maybe you think the whole thing is trivial at this point. Nevertheless, you even are Mivatel the Avodah, the central sort of religious, um, you know, activity for the sake of Mikra Megillah. Um, so that we established yesterday. Talmud Torah, Mikra Megillah, Mikra Megillah. And if it's between Torah and Mikra Megillah, and Torah is, of course, what takes the place of Korbanot, um, and learning Megillah, then again, Megillah comes first. Some Choshel Beit Rebbe from the, uh, the fact that Beit Rebbe established this principle that uh, you're Mivatling Talmud Torah, and even though the Gemara yesterday sort of said the Kavachomer can only be made in terms of Talmud Torah Yachid. In the end, the Gemara is not really distinguishing, and you know it's a little ambiguous. Maybe you even be Mivatul Talmud Torah Derabim for Mikra Megillah. So everything takes so Mikra Megillah takes precedence over everything. Now here's my question, though. Talmud Torah makes mitzvah. I'm sorry. No, not yet, my cousin. Here's another thing that's clear to me. Talmud Torah makes mitzvah. Makes mitzvah adi. Now, so all of these things. So uh, are, 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 you know, Megillah is greater than Torah, and it's greater than Avoda. You know another thing that's greater than Torah? Mace Mitzvah. If you have to involve yourself with the burying of a dead body that nobody else is involved to bury. Mitani, we turned into Brita. Mivatim Talmud Torah, lehotzas hamesel achnasas kala. You negate Talmud Torah, meaning you, you know, leave the base medrash um, in order to accompany out a dead body to be buried and uh, for bringing in a bride, you know, for things that are done that, you, that the larger the participation, you know, the greater the honor that is given, whether it's a case of mourning, whether it's a case of rejoicing, you know, these, um, um, then, um, your mevatel Talmud Torah for this sake. Now, Tosos points out, because, you know, Hachnasas Kala is not the same as Meis Mitzvah, and this doesn't say you do it for the sake of Meis Mitzvah. So if you take a look at Tosos, Tosos says, Meis Mitzvah Adif, the little Tosos here, Lavda, the first Tosos, Meis, Lavda after Meis Mitzvah, Wedding the whole Meis in Sheba Olam, Mevatling Talmud Torah, Lahotziam. But because in a minute we're going to be talking about Meis Mitzvah, we say Meis Mitzvah here. But the reality is, now of course, that doesn't mean that every time there's a funeral, everybody leaves the yeshiva. There are, <laughs> you know, there are, you know, standards. Is it, is it Lefik Vodo or not Lefik Vodo, you know, of the Meis? 
But if there's a sense that for the burial more people are needed for it to be done in an appropriate way, then that would take, and there are other, aren't other people to do that, and that would take precedence even over Talmud Torah. Okay? So you don't even have to get to the stage of Mace Mitzvah, certain types of Hotel Samais, you're revoking Talmud Torah for them. Okay, Avodo Meis Mitzvah, similarly, if it's between the Avod and the Beis Mitzvah and Meis Mitzvah, and here we do mean Meis Mitzvah specifically, um, then Meis Mitzvah Adiv. Again, Meis Mitzvah takes precedence. If there's nobody else to bury, then Cohen would leave the Avod and the Beis Mitzvah to take care of it. Should, how do you know? From the verse it says, Villa Achoso, that it says, and to his sister, this is about the Nazir, and also by a Kohen Gadol, that you're not Matame even to immediate family relatives. Um, a normal Kohen is, but a Kohen Gadol is not, and a Nazir is not. And from the fact that the Torah sells all the relatives you're not Matame for, even though it already said he's not Matame for any relative, um, we learn an extra thing out of each word. And at the time we taught in the Brights of the following. Um, the Lachoto Ma Talmud Lomer. Why is it telling you Lachoto? Now Rashi tells you the background. Right? The background is it says Al Kadashot Mate Lo Yavo. Right by the, the, by another, he cannot come into contact with any dead. Or something like that. So um, so to anybody he can't come into contact with anybody. And then it spells out father, mother, brother, sister. So why does it have to spell out? It already said not everybody. So basically says no matter what else is. Uh, I'm sorry. Excuse me, except that. So it says, because the Kiddush is, yes, normally you don't, you're not metame to anybody, even an immediate relative. But then the fact that it starts spelling it out, like la'aviv, etc., means, okay, you're not metame, why does it have to say la'aviv, if it already said you're not metame to a relative? To tell you that even though you're not metame to a, re- to a relative, but you would be metame to a mace mitzvah. So in a certain ironic, classic, rabbinic way, since the Torah already said you're not metame to anyone, and then it repeats it again, and not even a father, not even a mother each repetition is saying these people you're not metami to because all they are are relatives but if there's a mace and presumably let's say there's another relative available to bury but if there's a mace around that there's nobody to bury for that type of a person you would be metami to and each one of those words makes it even more extreme so let's take a look how it's more extreme so la'achoto which is the last of those words right gives you the most extreme case that you would that you would override for the sake of Mace Mitzvah because all of those are saying for the relative you're not but for Mace Mitzvah you are and even if more and more and more extreme you'll still be Matami for Mace Mitzvah so what is the example what does Lachoto teach you? Um, um, why does it say not to your sister to tell you not to your sister but yes to Mace Mitzvah Hooray, and here's the example an extreme example Somebody's going to Shech to Korban Pesach and to give a bris milah to his son, two big mitzvot that have to be done like now. Certainly, you know, milah you could do slow bismana, but you wouldn't get the mitzvah bismana. Pesach, if you don't do it, you're not doing it at all. And the shama shemes lo and you heard that, um, that, and this person heard that an immediate relative died. Yoho yitama, maybe he should go ahead and involve himself in their burial. No, Amarta, lo yitama, it says that this Nazir cannot come in contact with any dead body. But, yoho kashem shenu metami lachoto, kachenu metami lameis mitzvah, but maybe the same thing would be true, not just if it's a relative, but even if it's a meis mitzvah. Tamad lomar, vila achoto. No, it's only to your sister that you're not, that this Nazir is not metami. He is Matame to a Mitzvah, and he's Matame to a Mitzvah, even if what he has to give up 
is the fact that he's not going to be able to bring the Korban Pesach, he's not going to be able to do a bris milah to his son, and what preceded this was also that the person we might be talking about could be a Nazir who's a Kohen Gazel. Okay, so he has all of these other statuses that he would have to override for the sake of Mitzvah and negate all these other Mitzvahs and nevertheless make Mitzvah override. So this is very powerful in some extreme statements that the Gemara makes about, you know, about what has to take precedence if there's a dead body and it's not being given you know, the, the, treated in the, in the respect that, or just taken care of the way it needs to, how much that, that overrides in terms of the Kiddushah that it overrides, in terms of the other mitzvot that it overrides. So back to our point, the Gemara is saying, it's clear to me, therefore, that Mace Mitzvah trumps Avoda, because this person is not bringing the Korban Pesach. Um, and he's also Kohen Anyway, so, no, one minute. So, um, so that, all that is clear to me. So what do I know? I know that, um, Okay, so this was already cut out. Okay, so I know that Megillah is greater than Avoda, and I know that Megillah is greater is greater than Avoda, and it's greater than Talmud Torah, and I know that Mace Mitzvah is greater than Avoda and greater than Talmud Torah, right? So what's the one thing I don't know? Right, the relationship between Mace Mitzvah and Megillah. So, by Rava, no, by Rava, Rava asks, Mikra Megillah Mace Mitzvah, Hai Minayu Adif. But let's say it's between Mikra Megillah and Mace Mitzvah. Which one is more important? Now, you know, given all the tremendous weight we've given to Mace Mitzvah, it would be hard to understand how you could give more importance to Megillah. But now we're going to finally articulate where some of the weight of Megillah comes from. So, uh, publicizing the miracle and this is an important point you know about what we're going to sort of be seeing about the idea of it's not just an idea like certain things are and you need a minion here the idea is you want everybody sort of actively participating in it because of the idea of to, to publicize the miracle and that might therefore since it's, being, it's introduced here but that might explain some of what we saw yesterday you know I don't care leave the base Medrash leave the base HaMikdash don't say you'll read the Megillah on your own at a later time it's important that everybody comes together even if it means overriding Avodah overriding Talmud Torah so the idea of Pirsumet Nisa is not just the doing of the mitzvah but the bringing everybody together and that could explain some of the overrides before so maybe therefore it also overrides the Meis Mitzvah Od Yama Meis Mitzvah Mishum Kvod HaBriot Right, and here the Gemara articulates the theme of Meis Mitzvah, the honor due to God's creatures, to human beings, even in their death. And that fundamental thing of letting a body just sort of, you know, there, you know, that, that nobody's caring for, and it's bizayon, and it's, you know, in, in, in disrespect and in disregard, you know, that, that, would be a, that would be a huge problem. So which one takes precedence? So Balser Dubai Ahadar Pashe, after he asked it, he finally came to the conclusion, Meis Mitzvah Adis, the Amar Mar, the principle of Kavad Abriyas is greater. How do I know the principle of Kavad Abriyas is greater? Because it even overrides a negative prohibition in the Torah. Until now we've been talking about which has precedence for certain positive mitzvot, but not overriding negative. Now this is based on the Gemara Brachos, and the idea of overriding a negative is, um, you know, is qualified there. It starts by the idea that the Gemara learns that you don't, uh, somebody who would not be, um, um, you know, uh, according to their honor, to bend 
down and pick up a lost object and return it. They wouldn't even do it for their own object there, like a, you know, a sage or a very elderly person who would be considered beneath their dignity. So that person doesn't do it. So he's not only is he mevatel, the mitzvah of Hashavah Saveda, but he's mevatel, the negative mitzvah of ignoring the Aveda. But the Gemara obviously limits that and mostly says that it overrides Jorabanans. It's a very limited example of where it would override the Oraitas. But nevertheless, what is very significant is, you know, that I think the you know, counterway in which unfortunately most people think, which is that religious activities are the more like ritual ones and the ones that have to do with God. Whereas the ones that have to do with human beings, yeah, that's just like ethics or morality. You know, obviously like religious activities take precedence. So you can be like mean to somebody or cheat them if you're going to use the money for covered Shabbos or something like that. So here, you know, the Gemara is in the end, all of these various activities give way to, to a mitzvah which is fundamentally based on an issue of kavod habriot and even a somebody who is dead the idea of kavod habriot really trumps all of these yes Michael so if we just read a moment ago about being tamut shabbat without the mate and hasat kala yeah right and what about the you know the shabbat it was used to done a couple of times tamut shabbat and kolam and in that list was without the mate yeah, so they're so, talking about the schar of the mitzvah, not about this momentary decision about what you have to do. That's, that's uh, interesting. So, yeah. so even though the schar is greater than the Torah, nevertheless, in this instance, you're <laughs> Exactly. For this moment, it's not like you're never going to learn Torah again in your life. For this moment, you have to address the immediate issue. Um, yeah, the bigger chiddush is the avodah, because it, does it really mean the avodah won't get done, or does it mean it's being delayed? Like, Talmud Torah, in the end, is something that you're not doing now, but it's not like you lose an opportunity to do later, which is important in general of questions about what is doche, you know, an osik mitzvah, patramina mitzvah, and all, often Talmudary gives because it could be done later. So, all right. Um, and there's other reasons also why Talmudary might give way to other mitzvahs. Okay. So the Gemara says like this, but that's a good point. That normally we say Talmudary kinei kulam, but the weight of it doesn't necessarily determine this issue of which takes precedence. Okay, so the Gemara says like this, Gufa. All right, so that was the end of that earlier discussion of like various hierarchies, and we even introduced the principle of Pursume Nes, which again, would ins- it sort of makes the demand here, the specific demand, I don't care what you're doing, everybody gets together to read the Megillah. We'll see Pursume Nisa come up in other forms as well as we continue today. Gufa. I'm Rabbi Yoshua Ben Levi. Now back to specific issues about Mikra Megillah. Says Rabbi Yoshua Ben Levi. Uh, so the krach, the uh, you know the uh, the walled city, and any place near it and visible to it has the same status as the walled city, and reads on the fifteenth. Tana, we turn to Bryce. It's one or the other. If, if you're close, even if you're not visible, or if you're visible, even if you're not close. I can understand an example of being visible without being too close. So, if it's uh, the city's at the top of the mountain, so you could have a village that's very far away, but you got a very good, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, what? A good line of sight, and you could see villages that are far away, so that would also be considered to be part of the cross. That would be fascinating. Like, how far would that go? You know, how many miles would that go? Okay, Ella, how do you have something that's nearby? And remember, yesterday we said nearby was within a meal, within a kilometer. So, how do you have something that's within a kilometer? That's not sort of visible. So, what? Well, right. So the Gemara says, "I'm reviewing Yeshua's Benachal." It's the reverse of in the city. The village is high. You know, is you know, the, the city is in is, is is in a wadi, and the village is, let's say, on the level ground. So you can't see from the city up to what's on the level ground, even though it is not so distant. 
Okay. Yeah. Zero emo doesn't seem to me one is visible from the other. It says they are both visible from a certain point, from another point. Well, what is that other point, though? Well, it depends. Let's say you have, you know, let's say you have a mountain in between, right? So I can't see from here to here, but from here I can see both. Yeah, but then, but, but how do you understand then the answer of Yosheves Baha? I understand you're right. Nira Emo means like from a third perspective, you know, from from an outside perspective, it's visible together. But then, what does it matter whether one's on a valley or one's on a one's a, one's in a wadi or one's in, one's on a mountain, right? I imagine. No, but I think the fact that the Gemara is saying that if it's on a mountain and this is somewhere here, that that's considered near an emo even though it's very distant, no, right? The, distant the logical distant. answer is that we're looking from the perspective of the city. If we're looking from a third perspective, right, how does being on the mountain make, make these two more visible together? Right? If anything, they're more visible together if they're on the same place. I agree with you the language is from an outside perspective, but the answer seems to be, you know, assume it's from the perspective of the city. Okay. So, the Amar Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. Now, Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi also says, going back to this definitions of the city, you know, I'm sorry, I'm talking to myself now. Oh, <laughs> okay, I was wondering who's making that noise. Of course, it's me. Okay, the Amar Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. Now this, um, if you have a krach, for now we did a walled city that was settled and then it was, uh, the wall was built. So first people started living in it and then you built the wall afterwards. That's just like a village. That doesn't count as a walled city. It's my time, which means now you not only have to know that it was walls in the time of Yosho Binun, but you have to know that first the wall was built and then it was inhabited. Because the verse says, by selling uh, houses in walled cities and the special halachot that apply to them as far as the Yovel is concerned, the Ishkim Korbeis Moshav Ir If a person sells a house of, of settlement in a walled city. So that means it's a base Moshav that was in an Ir That the Ir preceded the fact that it was a Beit Moshav. So the Gemara is assuming, so let's assume whatever, so, let, so that's the read of that verse. But taking that to the read of the verse, the, what's interesting is the Gemara is taking the halacha about selling si- wall, houses in houses uh, in, in walled cities and applying it to the issue of Megillah. Right? What does it have to do? You know, maybe certain halacha for houses in walled cities, for laws of yoga, what does it have to do with this halacha about reading within a walled, you know, walled city or not walled city and what the definition is? And because of this question, right, Rashi sort of reads the statement that he's saying, Rashi says, we're not actually talking here now about halachas of Megillah. We're talking about halachas about, when he says the question about was this wall built first or whatever, the halacha is about just this halacha about selling houses in a wall city. We're not, not talking about halachas of Megillah. Yeah, either walled or settled first. Yeah, this wall issue of walled or settled first is just about halachas, not about halachas of Megillah. No, no, for Rashi. Megillah first, it could be, there's no wall. Right, for Megillah it wouldn't matter. For Megillah it wouldn't matter. That's what Rashi said. But it doesn't fit in the flow of the and Tosis disagrees and what it really seems that we're dealing with here and this is important because it gets us to the question of the significance of Yemos Yoshua Benun which seems to be arbitrary is that what Chazal sometimes do is that they take pre-existing categories um, definitions which is convenient you know and apply them to new halachot even if they're not ex- they don't exactly match 
you know, those new halachot. But it's easier to reuse a category. So, for example, at the beginning of Gittin, you have the idea of somebody brings a get from Chutzlar at Sheret Yisrael, he has to say, he has to testify to ways it was written because they don't necessarily know how to do the halachas correctly outside of Eretz Yisrael. And then the Gemara discusses, well, what are the parameters of Eretz Yisrael? And it then discusses the parameters of Eretz Yisrael for like Hilchus Trumas and Maestros of Kedushas Eretz Yisrael. What the heck does that have to do with the areas that know how to write a get correctly or not? And the answer is it doesn't necessarily. But if there's this halacha that deals with Eretz Yisrael, whatever the reasons are, it might be more convenient to just use a pre-existing definition of Eretz Yisrael and apply it here. And that seems to be a little bit of what's going on. We have a definition in other halachot of walled cities. Let's borrow that category and use that category here for defining what constitutes a walled city. And that seems to be what the Gemara is doing, taking something from Bati Erechom and applying it here. And that also therefore explains the significance of Mukhaf Mimos Yoshua Binun, because that actually is a halacha that is relevant in other areas. Number one, for, for example, this thing like walled cities, but beyond this issue of like, I'm like houses in walled cities, you know, if it goes by the first time that had that status, it was when they came in at the time of Yoshua Binun, and maybe the Kedusha Rishonas, Kedusha Lassid Lavo, etc. So that status that when they went in Yoshua Binun would still be relevant even by Bayashani. But another reason that it's important is, and this is a very little known fact, is that if you look in the beginning Mishnayot in Kalim, you see that when it lists the different levels of Kedushah Ver Yisrael, you know, it starts with the base Hamikdash, then Harabayis, then Yerushalayim, and between Yerushalayim and all the rest of Eretz Yisrael, you know what comes as a middle status? Yes. Walled cities from the time of Yoshua bin Nun. So, and their status is something that basically, like the term is, they're considered Machane Yisrael. The same way the Torah says you send out of the Machane, you know, the Mitzorayim, you send them not only outside of Yerushalayim, but you send them outside of the walled cities. So a walled city as a city, not just a house in a walled city has a halacha, but the whole status of the identity of the city as some special status is a, is a, a pre-existing halacha that applies to walled cities from the time of Yehoshua bin Nun. So I actually think that that is what is going on about this arbitrary assignment of Yemos Yehoshua bin Nun as opposed to Yemos HaKashver. So I'll give you, I'll say other reasons later, but I think that that's really what we see in these next couple of halachot, the drawing on other categories to apply to the definition of walled city here by Megillah. Yes, David. Maybe another time you can help us understand why walled cities should have a special <laughs> Right. Let's start in the Chumash. Cities have really bad press. Cities play in That's a fascinating point. You know, it's a very interesting point. I assumed it was because walled cities has well-defined demarcations and sort of like the idea of a machane Yisrael and a mini machane when you transfer that idea to Eretz Yisrael. You know, as opposed to villages, there's no, like, demarcating lines. But uh, that's a very interesting insight. All right, so for some other time. All right, so the Gemara says like this. Um, Okay, Um, so where are we? Uh, Okay. Okay. First it was an Irchoma, and then it was settled. And that's by houses and walled cities, and therefore, presumably, according to Tosos at least, that's the same by Megillah. 
So I'm a Rebbe. Yeah, so that's always the question. How do you know? What do you do if you don't know? Now, if a krach, again, we'll say it means a wall city, doesn't have ten batlanim, ten people that are just sitting around and doing nothing, meaning to, so, <laughs> the idea of like somebody as a minion man and available for making a minion, this is an idea already in the Gemara, people that would basically be present to, you know, in some communal capacity and always available, that's called the asara batlanim. Um, so, nidon kikfar, if it doesn't have those people, then it's not big enough to be considered a krach, and it's only a village. Now, at, at presumably this means, even if it is a wall from the time of Yoshua Binun, which is a fascinating new criteria. So the Gemara says, my Kamajbala, where do you learn this? The Tanina, we taught it, I mean, what is it teaching us? We've already taught, which is coming up later in Mishnah, Ezu Yirgidola, what's considered a big city? Kosh Yishpo Asarabatlanim. If it has ten Batlanim, it's a Mishnah coming up. Pachos Mikana Reza Kfar, less than that, it's a village. So the Gemara says, no, Krach Itzrichle. No, you need to tell me this is true, even in the case not just of a big city, but of a Krach, like a, of, of a metropolis or of a walled city. Because what would I say? I would say, well, if you've got like a big town, an ear off, more often is a town than a city. Right? A kfar is a village, an ear is a town, and a krach is a city. Okay, so if you have a city, uh, that, that, so a city has a lot of people coming in from outside. So although you have an enormous amount of foot traffic and people are coming from outside, um, that, and you might think that you don't need a sarbatlanim because like you'll never have a problem, you know, making a minion or you'll never have a problem of getting enough people because there's so much, um, you know, there, you, you, um, you know, there's so much, uh, um, um, ingress that, uh, that maybe the, you don't need a sarbatlanim and it always has an important status. It says, no, even that you need a sarbatlanim. Now the question here is, what do you need the, what stat, what do you need the sarbatlanim for? When the Mishnah later says to be an ir gedolah, it needs a sarbatlanim, or if not, it's a kfar. What do you, what's the significance of being an ir gedolah? Do you remember what we taught in the first Mishnah, as opposed to a kfar, as opposed to a village? Right. The, what happens? The arim, the 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 the, the, the uh, uh, what? Yes, but what's the halachic difference? Right. What does the Mishnah say? There's three things in the Mishnah. There's hukaf choma, right, and there is kfarim, and there's ayarot gedolot. Right, so a kfar reads when? Monday, Monday, market day. Monday, market day. I wrote always read on the right day, unless there's a Shabbos problem. So what this Mishnah later is saying is, to determine, are you a village or an irgado, will you be pushed back to a market day, or do you read on the right day? If you don't have a sarbatlanim, then you're not a big enough, you know, town to be an irgado. You are just a kfar, and you're going to get pushed back. That's what it says. So, the, so what Tosu, So the question is: Is Gemara now saying that that also is what requires, even if you have a wall from the time of Yoshua Binun, you need a sarbatlanim? So Tosu says, no, that's going too far. Because you got a wall from the time of Yeshua Binun, that's enough to give it significance. And the Gemara would have mentioned that explicitly. And Tosus wants to say that what this means is, even if you have a walled city, not has a wall from the time of Yoshua Binun. You have a metropolis, you have a large city, it's got a wall, it's just not Yoshua Binun. And still the question for Tosus is not whether you're a 15 or a 14, whether you're a walled city that reads on the 15th or not that reads on the 14th. He says the issue, even by the walled city here, is a non, not a wall from Yoshua. And the question is, even with that wall, are you, you're not necessarily significant enough to read on the 14th if you don't have a star. Okay, so this is this is a little 
little bit confusing because it uses the word krach and until now krach has been the question of the status of a walled city to read on the 15th which is a way to read this Gemara it's probably the pshat way to read this Gemara that it's not enough that it has a wall it also needs a sarabatlanim the same way an ear needs a sarabatlanim a krach needs a sarabatlanim but Tosus does not want to read it that way Tosus wants to say we're dealing with a non-wall a wall not from Yehoshua and still the issue is whether it has a status as an ear or not yes I'm looking at it, it seemed like the really the real matter was if you're not big enough you're not going to have someone able to read them together so you got to go somewhere. I know but again it's so big I mean well, that's what the Gemara says. That's the that's the chiddush. That's Kamash no, Malach. Don't forget about that. I, I, I don't want to belabor. We got to move on. Yashub krach If a krach was uh, destroyed and then resettled, it has the status of a krach. So the Gemara says, "My charav." What does it mean? That it was destroyed. That the walls were knocked down. People were still living there. The walls were knocked down, and then they were rebuilt. So Yashavim lo Yashav lo. So it only has a status if it's if the walls are rebuilt. The Hatani we taught in the Brayt. So Rabbi Eliezer ben Rabbi Yosi Omer Asher lo Choma that it has a wall. This is again selling houses in wall in places with a walled city. So there's a little question here. The way it's read or written is it was is it read low that it was above that it has a wall or lo Choma that it doesn't have a wall. Wall. So he says you read it both ways. Even if there's no wall now, as long as it initially had a wall, it's considered to be a house in a walled city. So again, notice, because for the laws of houses in a walled city, it's enough that it, once it had a wall, even though it doesn't have a wall now, the same will be true by walled cities for Megillah. So why would you say that the wall was knocked down and rebuilt, even if it wasn't rebuilt? If it once had that wall, that would be enough. Again, borrowing a category from houses in the walled city for the laws of like Yovel and applying it to Megillah. You don't need it to have a walled city now, which, by the way, is important, right? Because then it means that, um, that on the one hand, we can't assume that anything that's a walled city now reads on the 15th, because the question is, was it from the time of Yoshua bin Nun? But we also can't assume that anything that's not a walled city now doesn't read because on the 15th, because it might have had a wall that was knocked down, right? And there are definitely ancient cities, right, that had walls and that they were knocked down, and they might read on the 15th. Okay, so again, borrowing from the laws of Bate Arechoma, we say it doesn't need the wall to be rebuilt. So what would need to be rebuilt for it to regain the status? So, back to this idea. It had ten batlanim, then it stopped, so it loses its status, whether it's status of a 15 or status of a 14, that's the issue I mentioned before. When it regains the asar batlanim, it'll regain the status. Okay, so what have we introduced? We've introduced the idea that for two things from Bate Arichoma, number one is it has to first have made the wall and then be settled. Number two, it doesn't need the wall right now. And they seem that the Gemara is saying we're just going to borrow those definitions from Bate Arichoma and apply them to the halach of reading on the 15th. And I included in that well, the, the idea of borrowing where I think is why we get the basic idea of walls from the time of Yehoshua being known. The other issue that the criteria we introduced is Asar Batlanim, which might be a criteria to read on the 15th, might be only a criteria to read on the 14th. Okay, now the Gemara goes on. Vama Rebbe Yosho Ben Levi. Now we're going to start a lot of statements of Rebbe Yosho Ben Levi all around Megillah. And now we're going to start listing, uh, talking about specific cities. Lod ve'ono v'gei ha'charashim, these three cities, mukafot chomom yimosh Yosho Ben Nunhavu. They were, they, these were all cities mentioned in the Psukim um, by Sheva Binyamin. And he had a tradition that all of these were walls from the time of Yosho Ben Nun. So the Gemara says, Vahani Yosho Ben Nun, one minute. Yoshua built those walls? 
I'll tell you a third person built it. Asa Baninu, Asa built it. Tichsiv, it says, by Yiven and Argus, Argus is Asa, but that is not in the verse. The verse is if you look at the side, by Yiven, Aray Mitsuda, Mitsura, is it Mitsuda? Mitsuda, no. Mitsura. Yeah, I think, like, like, Bitsurot. Mitsurabi Yehuda. Anyway, but the Gemara is stuck in the word Asa because that is the clear, um, actor in the verse, even though it's not in the verse itself. So anyway, so he, bu- he built them. Now, exactly how we know that it's talking about, um, about, what do you call it? About, um, these cities, uh, Rashi says, uh, Rashi says that it's clear from the context that these are cities that are in Binyamin, although it says Arei Yehuda, and it's assuming if they're in Binyamin, it includes all of these cities, okay, again, though it's not as specific as the previous verse, but anyway, that's the Gemara's question, if he put, built up the walls of all of these cities, in Yehuda and Binyamin, then he built them, so it's not, it's not Al-Fa'el, so Gemara says, El, so, um, so, I'm, so, I'm a rebel leather, so rebel leather says, not all true, they really were, had a wall in the time of Yoshua Binun, the time of Pilegesh Begiva, where they, you know, basically decimated Binyamin and destroyed all the cities, so the walls were knocked down in the time of Pilegish Begiva. The Asa Af El Baninahi, and then Af Af El came and rebuilt those walls that were destroyed in the time of Pilegish Begiva. Hadar Info, then they started crumbling. They weren't completely destroyed, but they started, you know, over time crumbling. And Asa Asa, Shaftino, and Asa came and he sort of fixed them up. He improved them. Okay, so, so all three are true. Dikanami Dechsiv, it also works with the verse says, So he, Asa said to Yudah, let us build up these cities. They were already cities. And he was just putting up the walls. Now, it doesn't mean they might have been cities without any walls, but anyway, the Gemara is saying they're important cities. They already had some wall. He was just improving it. Okay, Shmamina. Again, what's not answered is, what do you do if you don't have a tradition? What do you do if it has a wall? You don't know if it's time of Yoshua Binun. You know it's from the time of Yoshua Binun, but you know, you don't know, uh, what the, you don't know if it was first, the wall was made and then it was settled, it was settled and then the wall was made, right? How do you deal with these areas of doubt? Do you sort of assume that everything is on the 14th unless you can prove otherwise? Or do you assume that, no, once there's a certain doubt raised, then you have to read both on the 14th and the 15th, right? So these are very important halacha questions. The other important halacha question, which I mentioned yesterday ties into the issue of Nira and Samuch is let's say you have a continuous build-up of a city like Yerushalayim right I mean you know how much of Yerushalayim is the walled city of Yerushalayim but not all of it is Samuch and Nira to the walled city right but if it's a continuous build-up you know then it does it just continue to get that halacha as well so a lot of these are very relevant questions yes so the yeah right what do you mean by sociology? Do you mean like the Asar Batlanim or? Well, it could be a third, uh, yes, but the way that a wall city operates uh-huh. um, has to be different because people actually built their homes in the walls. Right. So the responsibility of people to the policy uh-huh. was different in a wall city uh-huh. than other places. Um, but the question really that's called out here consistently like, what are they trying to get at? 
Right. So the Gemara will get to that a little bit later. When it, you will see when it deals with some questions of exactly what constitutes a wall. So um, let's hold off on that, okay? Right now, we sort of uh, what, right now what I'm seeing is a formalistic borrowing from other categories, but there, it's also there could be questions about what actually are the sort of issues that are at stake here as well, and that will we'll take we'll, we'll see as we continue. Okay, so not today, but in the soon. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. Um, okay. Um, Again, Rabbi Yosho ben Levi, very famous statement that appears in a couple of contexts. Najim chayavos b'mikra megillah. Najim are obligated in the reading of the megillah. Sha'avin hayu ba'otohanes. That even they were in that miracle. Although it's a time-bound mitzvah, and you would say normally women would be exempt, here they're obligated because even they were in the miracle. Now, there's two questions about this. Um, well, actually, there's three. One specific to megillah, but in general about the statement. Number one is what the phrase of afin hayu ba'otohanes means. Does it mean that they were saved by the miracle, which is, you know, they, were, they would have been wiped out by Purim? This is also used by Hanukkah to say that it's Hanukkah, you know, um, women are, are obligated because similarly they were under the same edict at the time of Hanukkah. Um, and it's used by, the other thing it's used by though is the Arba Kosot. So, um, you know, and they were saved by the time of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. So women were always sort of in the category of those that were part of the miracle, included in the miracle. Of course, if you raise that, then it's true about everything. It's true about sukkah. It's true about, you know, why don't they have to take sin and sukkah? Why don't they have to take of, right? So what's specific about that? That it's docked of the three applications that exist in the Gemara, which is Hanukkah, Purim, and the Arba Kosot. I'm going to come back to that, but I will tell you there's an alternate read of this, which is the Rashbam, which doesn't just mean that they were included in those that were saved by the miracle, but that they were centrally instrumental in the miracle um, because um, it says, you know, by, uh, by, by, uh, and now this isn't, you know, by, by, so if you take a look like Tosos has it, where, let me just Tosos, Tosos, he says, Pirish Rashbam, Sheikar Anais Hayayadan, the Purim Ayyidei Esther, so that's an easy one, the Chanukah Ayyidei Yehudit, the story about, you know, Yehudit and who fed, uh, the, whatever, sort of like a, uh, a Yael story there, and the Pesach, Shabishkush Nashim Titanius Shabosa Dornigalu, right, the famous Gemara that it was because of the righteous women. The Koshet, the Lushen Sha'afhain, Mashashain Tfeilot, now, it sounds like they were like secondary, not primary. Now, you could say it means that they were also instrumental. Being instrumental is not necessarily the same as being primarily, but okay, but if, but the, but the, but if the way the Rashbam wanted to read it, which is that they were like the primary sort of a reason for the Gu'ula, um, the question of af is a little bit of a challenge. Again, I don't think it's such a big deal. Af and you could see they were also instrumental as opposed to they were also saved um, by the miracle. There are other ways of trying to deal with the af raise according to the Rashbam. So that's just a question of what that means but then we turn to the issue about why specifically these three partic- which is particularly a question if it just means that they were redeemed right why specifically Megillah Hanukkah and the Arba Kosot and the Arba Kosot is particularly a challenge because we don't use the principle of Afin Hayubot Ohanet to explain that women should be obligated to eat matzah or to eat maror right that comes from some other drasha from some other explanation so why specifically these three so the first thing that these three share is that they're all rabbinic so that's one answer that sort of Tosa says, which is this principle of Atin Hayyot to include women is basically a rabbinic principle. It's not biblical. So if you want to make women biblically obligated in matzah, you have to do it from another direction. This is rabbinic, and therefore this is a principle that's used to include them, um, you know, in these rabbinic mitzvot. Um, so that's one reason why it sort of focuses on those. And therefore maybe you could say things like sukkah, you know, which is not rabbinic. We don't want to be using this principle. This principle we only want to use in sort of by rabbinic mitzvot. 
Yisrael. The Salvechik, however, gives an answer which is, I think, a much more satisfying one. And he says that the idea of nace is a very central idea in terms of the mitzvah of Megillah. We just used a phrase before to, to describe the central, you know, like the, the, you know the, the weight of the mitzvah of Megillah, which is what? Pirsume Nisa. What was the idea of Pirsume Nisa? Pirsume Nisa is you want to make sure that everybody participates because by everybody's participation it, it, you know, it, it, it highlights the publicizing of the miracle. So the Kohanim leave the base of Mikdash, the, the Yeshiva Bachrim leave the base of Medrash. Everybody comes because of Pirsume Nisa. So he says these mitzvot are the specific mitzvot. Let's first talk about the first two, right, which are the more obvious. Hanukkah and Purim. How do I know that Mikra Megillah and lighting Hanukkah candles have a specific identity as mitzvot of Pirsum Hanes yes. that, other, that other mitzvot don't have? Because those are the two mitzvot that you make the bracha of Sha'atzanisim. You never make that bracha by any other mitzvah. And therefore, those two mitzvot, the whole one major part of their identity is you are lighting the Neir of Hanukkah so everybody sees it's done for the sake of Pirsum Hanes. So you're reading the Megillah to be Mepharsim. Obviously, if you're alone, you light Hanukkah also. And you read Megillah also. But a central part of the mitzvah is that the fact that it is achieving Pirsume Nisa. So if the goal is Pirsume Nisa, you want as many people involved in the mitzvah as, as possible. And women, or another way, if women were part of the nace, and this whole thing is about the nace, and women do it as well. So it's both because it focuses on the nace and women were in the nace, and because it focuses on the nace and therefore you want it to be mefarsane. So both the Nisa and the Pirsume explains why you want to be including women. The Arba Kosot, um, you know, similarly, is something that is done just for the sake of demonstrating, you know, that you're B'nai Chorin, right? Eating the matzah, eating the maruah, you know, those are not necessarily done, you know, that's done, you know, it's in the Torah, it might be to remember what happened, but like the act of eating matzah is not necessarily an act of demonstrating your B'nai Chorin. The drinking of the wine and the arpa kosod and the reclining, that is more the demonstrating of B'nai Chorin, and that again is a Pirsum Hanes type of a, of of an act. What? Right, right. So it's a nice nistar. So that's the whole story of Purim. That God's name isn't there, but that's the nice, right? That's the, that's the, that's the point. You could be far same a nice nistar. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so that's a good point, but it's not as much to be mafarsim to others, it's more understood as you're sitting and you're remembering, as opposed to the sort of larger public. Okay, so that, oh, last thing to say about, about, about women chai, which you can't not discuss, uh, you know, in this context, is the bra- practical halacha. Not just this broad principle, but the practical halacha of women's obligation in Megillah. Are women equally obligated? Could they be mozi men? So let's take a look at Tosros. Nashim chayavos mikra Megillah, this is obviously an important discussion that comes up around Purim time. That women are equally obligated and can read Megillah for others, for men meaning. Doesn't say they're obligated to hear, which is a way of formulating a different level of obligation. No, they're obligated to read so they can read for others. So everybody's obligated. Sounds like equal obligation, including women. Okay, and that is the way many, many we've shown in Paschim. Women are equally obligated. They could read for men. But now, Tosos has a problem based on Hilchus Ketolos. 
and who's based on a tosefta. The kasher, the habit tosefta, tani behead. You have the tumtum ain motzi lo mino, but like ain omino. A tumtum who you don't know if he's male or female can't be motzi another tumtum because maybe tumtum number one is a female and tumtum number two is a male, and therefore a tumtum can't be motzi another tumtum because you don't know that somebody whose genitalia is covered up and you don't know if it's male or female. So that seems to be clear that women can't be motzi men, although it never says that. But that seems to be the t- problem of the tumtum. So then he says, V'chein Pasco, I'm skipping a little bit, V'chein Pasco, Hilchos Kedolos. Dija Motzia Mina, a woman could be Motzia woman of a low Anashim, but not men. Okay? Um, and then he says, so, okay, so that maybe that's the way to read where all these Gemaras that say women are obligated, maybe it means obligated, but at a different level. Obligated so that they can be Motzi women, not obligated to be Motzi men. And one way of framing it is that they're obligated to hear, but they're not obligated to read, so it's a different type of an obligation. So based on this Tosefta, the Hilchus Kedolos comes to a conclusion that women's obligation is different than men, and women can't be Motzi men, but that's against the simple read of the Gemarot and many, many Rishonim. But some, a lot of Rishonim Shonei Ashkenaz follow Tosos following Shochos Kedolot and that leads to these issues about women reading the Megillah for men okay so now let's get back to the Gemara okay a lot we're covering a lot of ground we're covering well a lot of conceptual ground I don't know a lot of Gemara then. okay Ve'amor Rabbi Yoshua Ben Levi Rabbi Yoshua Ben Levi also says Purim Shechali Opa Shabbos strolling the Dorshim B'Nyon HaShoyom if Purim falls out on Shabbos even though you're not going to read the Megillah, you, or because you're not going to read the Megillah, you have an obligation, instead of reading the Megillah, to uh, teach and talk about the uh, issues relating to Purim. And Rashi specifically says it's not just Hilchos Purim, but Rashi says it's, ex- it, it's expounding on the Megillah itself. You have to give a shear on the Megillah when Purim falls out on Shabbos, as in the substitute for actually reading the Megillah. So the Gemara says, What's the Chiddush Purim? I feel Yantiv Nami, even on Yantiv. The Tanya we talked in the Brayta. Moshe Tikkun Lishash, you show him Bedarshim B'Nyanah Shoyom that you have to, uh, um, you know, talk about the the aspects of the Chag on the Chag. Hilchos Pesach Pesach, Hilchos Atzeres Atzeres, Hilchos Chag B'Chag. So now it's not clear what the why why just because you do it for a Yantiv you should do it for Purim. So Tosa says no. Here's the point because for Yantiv not only we say you're supposed to talk about it on Yantiv. What's the other halacha we say about Yantiv? Right, you're supposed to begin talking about the halacha. So if by Yantiv, when you started talking about it for a month ago, you've been talking about it now, and you still are supposed to talk about it on the Yom itself, so certainly Purim, which you don't start talking about Hilchus Purim a month before Purim, certainly Purim, all you have is the day itself, you certainly need to be talking about it on Purim itself. So what's the Chiddush? Of course you have to talk about Purim on Purim itself. So the Gemara says no. Purim it's strictly. There's still a chiddush by Purim. Ma'atetayim and nigzer mishum deraba. I might think you're not allowed to give a shear on Megillah on, on Purim that's on Shabbos. Why? Because if you start darshaning the Megillah, then you'll come to take out your Megillah and you'll come to carry your Megillah. And maybe the same reason that Rab explains why you don't read the Megillah on, on Shabbos is because you might come to carry it. Maybe you shouldn't give a drush on the Megillah on Shabbos. Come on, Shmulan, that that's not such a concern that it's you have to you know you have to read so you know yeah you, uh, you have to take the begin- I don't know why it's not it's, logically the difference is not so clear but you know it requires more of an expert to read so you would bring your Megillah to an expert to read it whereas hearing a drasha you just show up and you just listen I'm not exactly sure because you know also one person giving the drasha and one person reading the Megillah but anyway so we're not going to be worried about that we're only going to be worried about reading the Megillah and not about giving a drasha of the Megillah so that is an interesting idea 
and by the way, it also does touch a little bit on the Pirsume Nisa, because the basic point here is, is that reading of the Megillah, right, is the act of being Mepharsim the Nase. So then the question becomes, well, when you don't read the Megillah on the right day, so you say, okay, you do the Pirsumini's on an earlier day, on a Monday, on a Thursday, on an Arab Shabbat, whenever you do it. But the idea of underscoring, not only are you not concerned that you'll come to carry on Shabbat, but you need to replace the reading of the Megillah with some type of a drasha about the Megillah seems again to, to some degree at least, be connected to this idea of Pirsumini's. Okay, the Amar Rebbe Yoshua Ben Levi, and Rebbe Yoshua Ben Levi also says, this is also a very important halacha. A lot of very important halachos come from Rabbi Yosho ben Levi. Chayim Adam Likros is the Megillah Belayla Belishno Sabiyom. A person has to read the Megillah at night and repeat it in the day. Shenemar Elohai Ekrai Yomam God I will call out to you in the day Velo Ta'aneh But you don't answer Velayla Velo Domi Aliyah And even at night And I will not be silent. So, so that's a, so now how that's exactly relating to the Megillah so okay so first of all that's a Pasuk by the by Lam Nateach Ala Yelas HaShachar which is understood to be a Mizmar Kilim that relates to to, to, um, to, to to Esther but again the idea of like calling out you know in sort of in like prayer God save me touches on the theme of Purim that like preceded the Nase Purim right and if you look at Rashi Rashi says um, Ekra about ten lines before the lines get wide no, 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 there was another Rashi I wanted to read you. Um, oh, yeah, the Rashi before that. So, an interesting way, using this pasuk that sort of frames the Megillah in terms of the crying out. You only really appreciate the nace if you appreciate the tzara that they were in. So the Pasuk used to indicate the reading of the Megillah is a Pasuk about calling out to God. So that's quite interesting. The focus on the nace really is appreciated by the focus on the tzara that preceded it. And the, from this Pasuk we learn you have to do it at day and at night. Yes? Um... Not mitzvot in the Torah, um, right? So you're right. Meaning, I did say, right, right. When if you use the pasuk in Tanakh to prove something in the Torah, the Gemara will say, you know, and before Yecheskel came, like me Amra, you know, when like we had that recently, and it said, well, it must have been that it was a tradition, and Yecheskel came and he was put it on a pasuk. So this is talking about like something in. I mean, I'd be curious just to hear about like what you're thinking about, about in, in terms of using a pasuk to prove uh, for a derisa purpose, because usually that's problematized. Here it's done for more like for a drabanan or for a asmachta. But yeah, but I, but it is true. I mean, the point that I was making before that we're darshaning psukim of the Megillah is not totally contrary because we're darshaning psukim about a post-biblical mitzvah. So it doesn't really violate the principle that you don't use nach to teach you a deoraisa, but still the methodology is the same. Okay, so now the Gemara continues. Um, okay, so Sarumina, when people heard this drasha that you have to read it at night, the lishnosabayon, and to repeat it in the day, well, the word lishnota has a very specifically specific meaning in the sort of in the rabbinic uh, you know uh, society, right? Mishnah, the lishnota. So Sarumina, when people heard this drasha, right, they thought, let me call you Belilah, we'll read it at night, so the and we'll learn the mishnayis of Mikhail in the day. To do a Mishnah of Megillah, to do a type of rabbinic learning in the day. 
So, Amr Lehu Rabbi Yirmiya, so Rabbi Yirmiya said to them, no. No, it was explained to me that, that from Rabbi Yirmiya Barava is not what he meant. He meant, go to Ami Inchi, ever Parsha Da, let me, let me go over this Parsha, Asnaya, and let me repeat it. So, Vilishnosa comes from the word Sheni, to do it a second time, not from the word like Lishanein, which means like Mishnah, and gets you sort of the idea of a rabbinic teaching. I'll just read one more line and then I'll say something about this. You have to read it night and repeat it in the day, based on a different pasuk, a pasuk more about the, the miracle than about the crying out. Not be silent. Again, interesting, the word dome appears in both of those. So the idea of all the time, Lila and Yom, is a way of framing like it's a constant sense of throughout the day, framing the day of, of praising God for the miracle. So by the way, that's interesting in the two aspects it expresses of this, like Pirsum Hanes, first the Tzara is part of that story, and then it's the, obviously, the praise and the miracle. Um, but I want to say two things about, about this. First of all, the idea that there was a Havamina that you learned the Mishnayis in the day, rather than reading it in the day, gets back to a theme I've been mentioning, which is about, you know, the innovation of the Megillah, but through Chazal. Chazal were the one that, like, decided that it was, you know, one of the Sifrei Tanakh. Chazal are the one that are seen in the first staff of Megillah, and Sheikhness of Hagadolah, were the one that were Metakein, the Mikra Megillah, not that it were doing it because it's in, in the Megillah, but because Sheikhness of Hagadolah were Metakein, it, we're learning all the halachot in a classic rabbinic way through a darshaning of the psukim. So I think it's interesting, like the havamina of oh, instead of reading the Megillah already before, if, the, if it falls out on Shabbos, instead of reading it, you have a drush of it. So here we thought, oh, we read it last night, so in the day, instead of reading it, we'll learn the Mishnayas. So this whole issue of sort of of the rabbinic mode, you know, and let's face it, the Megillah is coming at a time when you're sort of transitioning, right? It's right at the Bait Shani period when you're transitioning from the from the period of Nivuah to the period of, you know, of, uh, if you would, you know, rabbinic, uh, I mean, it's a little early, you know, in the rabbinic period, but it's Ezra HaSofer, right? So it's right at that sort of juxtaposition of the Nivuah and the type of Talmud Torah, you know, Torah Sheba al So again, it's interesting here, the thought that that could replace the Mikra Megillah is the learning of the Mishnayot. The other thing, though, that's very important to mention is the phrasing here makes it sound like the reading of night is more important. You have to read it at night and repeat it during the day. However, all of the evidence is the opposite. All of the Mishnayot that we're going to read coming up talk about the mitzvah of Megillah being a mitzvah of the day. And says, when does the mitzvah of Megillah start? From Alos HaShachar, you know, or from Neitzachama, etc. Mitzvah of Megillah is a day mitzvah. And, 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 the, and basically the way some of the Achronim frame this is that reading the Megillah in the day is a mitzvah midivrei sofrim because it's based on psukim whereas reading the Megillah at night is a mitzvah durabanan okay that's a pure rabbinic not based on the psukim but the sort of primary pasuk based although pasuk through the interpretation of Chazal as we've been saying but primary pasuk based mitzvah is in the day the night is more halachically secondary and was added later although the phrasing here sounds the opposite Tosus tries to reread the phrasing to get the day to be more important and that's clear from all the evidence it's very important because everybody thinks the night is more important because you know it's, better, it's an easier time to bring the whole family and that's when the shows do their whole big to-do is at night but halachically speaking if you had to choose between going 
to Megillah reading at night or Megillah reading in the day, you go to Megillah reading in the day. And a lot of people aren't mocked enough to go the next day. They, they went the previous night, but the next day is the primary myth of Megillah, the phrasing of this notwithstanding. Okay, uh, let's, uh, let's turn the page. Um, so the villages start Monday and Thursday. The sages were easy for the villages to let them do the reading on the, on the market days. Today, in order that they should provide water and food to their brethren in the large cities. Okay, now, first of all, I just want to say one thing, number one, about Monday and Thursday. The first Rashi, I wasn't here when you did the first stop. The first Rashi says it's because it's the day where the Bati Dinim are Kivuim, and therefore uh, everybody's coming into the, you know, to the main town in order to go to a basin. Now, how many people need to go to a basin? So Rabbeinu Hananel said it's not because the Bati Dinim are there. He said that's the idea of the phrase of Rabbeinu Hananel on Beis Amad Aleph was... Let me just read it here. Um... Goes like this. Um. So it's quite interesting. He says because it was a, a, a day that you read the Sefer Torah, people wanted to at least come to show. Even if you don't come to show on a daily basis, they wanted to come to show at least on a day when they had Kriyasa Torah. So according to him, that's why they're coming in, and that's why those days became sort of market days or days to people to gather. So that's just coming in. But now the reason is, in order to provide, you know, bread and food for their brethren in the, in the larger cities, makes it sound like, we're going to try to get it for you, this is for you to come early, not to read the Megillah on a day we're reading. You guys, like it's, you know, like the, like the catering, like the people that work in the kitchen, you have your meal beforehand, and and then, you, you'll, 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 and then you'll serve everybody else. You guys take care of the reading of the middle beforehand, so on perm itself, you'll be available to have your stores open for the people of the big cities, which really puts them in a very second-class type of a status. The Gemara is going to reframe this. So let's just read one line and turn the page. Lememra says the Gemara, this suggests that the concept of the we're doing all of this to make things better for the big cities. Vatanam, didn't we teach in a mission? Notice, by the way, here, Krach is used to mean a city of the 14th, not a walled city of the 15th. So that's a little confusing. Gets back to the point we met before about the Asar Batlanim. Does Krach mean walled city, or does it mean a large, unwalled city? Anyway, that we're doing all this for the large cities. Vatanam, Chalios Besheni, Kfarim Bayerais Kizos, Karim Bobiyam. If it's on a Monday, everybody reads on the same day. If you're going to make these people read early to be available, then they should always read early, even when it falls out on a Monday. Being Isa, if you're doing this to make it easier for the big cities, leave the movie on Nisa, even when it's on a Monday, make these guys read on a Thursday. Then you'll be back to the 10th of Adar. You know, when we learned only X number of days, you can't go back to the 10th. Okay, let's try again. If it's on a Thursday, they read, everybody reads on a Thursday. In Isa, and if you're trying to dafka make these guys go early, leak the movie on a Knisa. Let them read instead of on Thursday and on Monday. It's the 11th of other. So the says, no. Nah, it's the, you know, we have to have, we, we keep it on a, on a market day. We're not going to push it off to a different one, which doesn't really answer the question. Okay. Tashma. I'm Rav Yehuda. Amosai, I'm getting to the two dots. Amosai, b'mogam sheni chnasim b'sheni b'chamishi. 
when is it that we go early in places where they, the villages come in on a Monday and a Thursday? If the villages don't usually come in on a Monday and Thursday, then you don't have them read early. But if the whole thing is for the betterment of the large cities, what do I care if they don't normally come in? Let them come in, let them read it, so they'll be available to take care of the large cities. Like, you know, what is it like they said, you know, because you had a bad day, why should I suffer, right? So, you know, that line from Sid on the Roof, you know, just because you don't come in, so what? Come in, so you'll be available for the big cities. If that's really what's going on here. So the Gemara says, okay, let's reverse it. It's not, we make it, we do it so that, they'll pre- so that they will provide for the larger cities. We don't do it for the sake of the larger cities. Ela'ema, read it the opposite way. Because they generally, and this is the way Rabbi Nuchanana reads it, since in general you come in in the market days and you're there to provide, you know, you do all these things that are the, for the betterment of the larger cities, therefore we're going to be nice to you and make it easy for you. So we're going back to the fact that this is to make it easier for the villages, it's not to make it more convenient for the large cities. And Rabbeinu Hanano says, anyway, what's happening is they're not providing food on Purim. They're coming in on the market day so that everybody can buy their provisions for Purim. Because the way Rabbeinu Hanano says it is, he said, if you didn't do this, what would happen? They would say, I'm not coming in on Thursday. I have to come in anyway tomorrow because tomorrow is, uh, is, 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 uh, is Purim. And therefore, the markets won't be open on Thursday. So if you want to have the markets open on the Monday and Thursday, you make it convenient for them to read on that day as well. But ultimately, because of the general service that they provide, that's why we're going to do this for their sake, not for the sake of the larger cities.